Sermon 14 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul the Apostle to the Ephesians by John Calvin. Translated by Arthur Golding, this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Jesus Christ hath reconciled us both in one body, to the end, to knit both the one and the other unto God by his cross, killing the enmity thereby. And being come, he preached peace to you that were far off, and to them that were near hand. For by him both twain of us have access to the Father in one spirit. Therefore ye be no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and household folk of God. We have seen this morning how St. Paul hath told unto such as were erst without hope of salvation that they were so much the more bound unto God for his calling of them to be of the number of his children, seeing it was not a common and ordinary thing, nor a thing that was looked for. On the other side, he did also beat down all pride to the intent that the Jews might not think in themselves that the privilege of adoption was of their own purchasing, nor vaunt themselves, though God had preferred them before all the rest of the world. And now going forward still with the same matter, he saith that we were reconciled as well the one side as the other by the death of Jesus Christ, that in so doing he hath knit us together into one body, putting all enmity to death by his cross." This serveth to express better the thing that we have seen already. He had said that we must come unto God by the means of our Lord Jesus Christ, for without him we be all far off, as well Jews as Gentiles, because we be all sinners, and God is an enemy to us till his wrath be appeased towards us. Now St. Paul showeth that that is done by his bearing of our sins upon his cross. For it is by his obedience that all our iniquities are put away, and it is by his sacrifice that our sins are washed away. To be short, were it not for the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, we should stand bound still in the handwriting that is spoken of in the second to the Colossians. For if we should come to reckoning, who durst open his mouth to excuse himself before God, or look to escape the damnation that all of us have deserved? For if we should go about to allege but one point, there would be a thousand to stop our mouths, so as we should be driven to stand still, all confounded, till we have come to the remedy, that is to wit, that Jesus Christ hath by his death made so full satisfaction for all our debts, that we be quitted and released. That then is the thing which St. Paul handleth as now, to the end we might know what manner of access it is that he speaketh of. For to prance into God's presence, in case as we be of ourselves, were too great a boldness. But when it is told us that God will not lay our sins and misdeeds to charge, because Jesus Christ hath put them all away by his death, then it is no rashness at all for us to go unto God with our heads bolt upright. But we have a good foundation and a boldness that God liketh well of. Therefore, as oft as we have occasion to pray or to fight against any temptations, let us learn to know that we need to be encouraged to patience and to be ascertained of the everlasting life and to repair all wholly for refuge to the death and passion of the Son of God, knowing that until such time as we be dipped in his blood and washed by the working of his Holy Spirit, we shall evermore be loathly and God will justly shake us off and be always a judge to us instead of being our Father. And it is not enough to know that Jesus Christ hath made amends for us, yea, and that all things requisite to our salvation were fully accomplished and performed by his death and passion. But we must also therewithal receive the benefit thereof in such manner as it is ministered unto us. 
For what shall it avail the Jews and Turks and other like that God's Son undertook the condemnation that belonged to us? They shall rather be held double guilty because that by their unthankfulness they bereave themselves of the benefit whereof they might have been partakers, if they had received the promises of the gospel by faith. But the Jews on the one side blaspheme our Lord Jesus Christ, the Turks on the other side laugh him to scorn and count him but as a night ghost. And the papists labour with tooth and nail to deface his power and to rob him of the greatest part of his graces. These therefore shall find that the death which the Son of God hath suffered serveth to increase their cursedness and to kindle God's wrath so much the more against them. Yea, and even they also which never heard of the gospel are utterly excluded from this treasure." And for that cause St. Paul addeth that Jesus Christ hath preached peace to them that were near and to them that were far off, whereby he showeth that when the gospel is preached, we be daily put in possession of the salvation which was purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ, at leastwise if we lay hold on him by true faith that hath taken lively root in our hearts to bring forth good fruit. Therefore there are two things required, the one that we know how that the manner and substance of our salvation is in Jesus Christ, and the other is, that the same be declared to us by the gospel. And to the intent we may be the surer of this doctrine, St. Paul saith, not that Christ hath sent his apostles, or set up a great sort of doctors to bring us such a message, but that Christ himself is come to bring tidings of peace to all men. Now it is certain that our Lord Jesus Christ hath not executed the office of preaching since his resurrection, saving only among his disciples, that they might be furnished aforehand to preach everywhere the doctrine that was committed unto them. But St. Paul saith that he preached to such as had erst been far off from God. He did not this in his own person. Then it is certain that St. Paul speaketh of that preaching of the gospel which was done by the ministers that were appointed by God and by our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet notwithstanding he saith that it was Christ himself that preached, namely to the end we should yield the greater reverence to the gospel, and hold it as the truth authorized by God, and every of us submit himself to it without any gainsaying or replying. For if we have any doubt of it, let us not think that Jesus Christ shall boot us anything at all. Therefore we shall assure ourselves of it, yea, and as we have seen in the first chapter, God's promises must be sealed in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, who for the same cause is called the earth penny of the life that we hope for, and the very sign, manual, or seal that God printeth in us, to the end that our faith should be in full certainty. We see then, whereat St. Paul aimed in this text, in saying that Jesus Christ, being raised from the dead, and having performed the charge that was enjoined him by God his Father, was our Redeemer, and also the bringer of the same message unto us, not for once and away, but by continually preaching of it, insomuch that he will have his mouth still open even to the end, to witness unto us, that in him we shall assuredly find all that we can wish to bring us to the heavenly life. Now then, must we not be very blocks if we be not touched to the quick at the hearing of these words? It is true that the Son of God fleeteth not from place to place, nor is conversant here beneath among us in visible fashion, neither were that requisite. But yet for all that, the doctrine which we preach in his name ought to have like authority as if he spake to us himself mouth to mouth. And for the same cause also doth he say, he that heareth you heareth me, and he that receiveth you receiveth me, and likewise he that receiveth you receiveth me. And again, by this means is God my Father honoured, even by your believing of the gospel. And contrarywise he hath great wrong and reproach done unto him, when the things are doubted of that are so well certified there. 
the Pope and all the rabble of his clergy allege this for the maintenance of their tyranny, but our Lord Jesus Christ's meaning was to warrant us the message that concerneth the forgiveness of our sins, wherewith our ears are beaten continually, for we shall always hang in a murmuring and doubt if we be not thoroughly persuaded and resolved that all things contained in the gospel are held of Jesus Christ, who is the infallible truth itself. For if we have an eye to men, we shall be ever wavering and doubtful, and for proof thereof, what can they bring of their own growing, but utter vanity and leasing? So then, although our Lord Jesus Christ abides still in his heavenly glory, and we be absent from him in body, yea, and that it be a strange thing to us to say that he dwelleth in us, and that wheresoever two or three be gathered together in his name, he is in the midst of them, yet notwithstanding, we must be fully assured of this point, that when the pure doctrine of the gospel is preached, it is all one as if he himself spake unto us, and were familiarly conversant here among us." Then, to be short, our faith must aim at him, as at the very mark or butt of it, and we must rest upon him, and seeing that God his Father hath sent him to be a faithful witness, look whatsoever is told us truly in his name, we must receive it without any gainsaying. Furthermore, as we have here wherewith to strengthen us in true constancy of faith, and to arm us against all the assaults and alarms that Satan can give us, so it is a great shame for us when we be deaf at the hearing of the gospel, or let it alone as a thing hanging in the air, taking it to be but as a fable, or a thing of no value. And yet, for all that, most men nowadays do either despise the gospel, or else are so besotted that they discant of it, as of a trifle, or else make but a mock of it. Some having heard sermons, or having been taught at some lecture, or by some other means, will perchance say, it is possible that this may be true, and as for me, I will not say nay to it, but forasmuch as I am no clerk or divine, it is all one to me, I will let it alone still in his ordinary course. Some other will say, Tush, I will hold me to the faith of my forefathers, for it is too dangerous a matter to change. Some again say thus, How so, it is a new doctrine that we never heard of before. And other some, being not contented with such scornfulness, add outrageous cruelty and fight openly against it insomuch that they could find in their hearts to pluck God out of his seat, whereupon they fall to shedding of innocent blood, endeavouring to the uttermost of their power to wipe away the remembrance of the gospel. But in the meanwhile let us understand that whensoever the message of our salvation is set forth unto us, if we despise it, we shall be guilty, not only rejecting a benefit that was brought us by a mortal creature, but also of shutting the gate against God's Son when he came to seek us to our salvation." and therefore to quicken up our slothfulness, and to correct the cursed stubbornness that might hinder our full and obedient yielding to the gospel, let us mark that the preaching thereof is not a thing done by haphazard, neither do men come of their own selves, as saith St. Paul also to the Romans, but God himself visiteth us, and cometh unto us, and our Lord Jesus Christ performeth still the duty of a shepherd, and calleth us to him with his own voice, because he seeth us to be as sheep that go astray. And although we be piqued aside here and there, yet his mind is to gather us together again to be of his flock. Were this well printed in our hearts, surely we should be better disposed not only to receive the doctrine of the gospel with all humility, but also to be inflamed with such a zeal and earnestness that the whole world should be nothing in comparison with us. To be short, God's word would be as sweet as honey to us, and more precious than all gold and silver, 
considering that the Son of God, being in the glory of God his Father, doth nevertheless make us to hear his voice, and that not as one that speaketh afar off, or with a sound that vanisheth away in the air, or in such wise as we have no certain record of the things that he speaketh, but as one that cometh and preacheth to us himself. For look what is done by his authority, and according to the commission that he gave and committed to his apostles. It becometh us to receive it for his sake, as I have declared afore. Moreover, St. Paul's intent here is to provoke us to receive the gospel with all obedience, not only for the worthiness of the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also for the things that are contained in the gospel itself. For it is the message of peace, saith he. Let us consider what it is to have war with him that made us and fashioned us. If we have an enemy in this world, although he be but a frail man, and have no very great credit, yet will we be afraid, lest he should practice some policy or spite against us, or revenge himself by force. To be short, we must ever be unquiet, so long as we had any enemies in this world. Must we not, then, needs be too too brutish, seeing we fall asleep when God showeth himself to be against us, and that he is armed to take vengeance upon us? If we considered well what it is to have war with God, as indeed our sins cease not to provoke him to displeasure, we should find, on the contrary part, what a benefit it is to have peace and atonement with him. Now seeing that this is brought us by the gospel, whereby we enter possession of the atonement that was made by Jesus Christ, when he offered himself in sacrifice by his death, it is a thing that ought to inflame us in such wise as to make us embrace the gospel with earnest zeal, and to give over our whole mind thereunto. So then, considering the coldness and laziness that is in us, let us so much the more think upon this saying, and apply the same to our use, namely, first to know that the Son of God refuseth not to teach us, and to be our schoolmaster, so we be contented to be his scholars, and secondly, that we shall have a doctrine which is more to be desired than all the pleasures, honour, and goods of the world, that is to wit, that we be at peace with God, and that, being sure of his favour towards us, we may have recourse and access unto him, and be received as his children at his hand. Well ought we to note that, for St. Paul meant to show which is the true peace, because many men think themselves well at ease, which, notwithstanding, have no peace with God. For some are puffed up with devilish self-weaning, as the monks and friars in the popedom, who persuade themselves that they have deserved so well at God's hand, as there can no fault be found in them. They then, which ground themselves after that manner upon their own virtues and good deeds, think that God is bound unto them, and they may well be lulled asleep, because Satan besotteth them with the foolish self-trust which they have conceived, and that is because they aim not at God, but have forged an idol in their own head. And in good faith, what are the things that they would content God withal, but gewgaws and baggagely trifles, as if they would steal babes with them? The papists must take a sprinkling of holy water, they must all to be cross themselves, they must fast this wake and that wake, they must gad on pilgrimage, they must forbear eating of flesh upon such a day, they must babble thus many paternosters, they must set up a candle to such a saint, they must hear thus many masses, they must say thus many mere culpas. To be short, when a man hath raked them all on a heap, it is certain that they be but the scrapings and offals of all filthiness. And yet, to their seeming, God is well paid with them, as who should say he were an idol or a little babe, as I said afore. We see, then, that none of all those hypocrites that are so puffed up with presumption can have any peace with God, 
but forasmuch as they fetch such windlasses, and look not at God, but askew, and though they make countenance of approaching unto God, yet their offering themselves unto him is not with singleness and substantial soundness of heart. They do but beguile themselves with their fond flatterings. Also there are a sort of these scoffers which do but nod their heads when men speak to them of their salvation, saying, It is enough if we may give but one good sigh, but not let us cease in the meanwhile to make frolic cheer, for what a thing were it to pass all the time of our life in such dumpishness. That would do us no good, and therefore let us play the good fellows. Hereupon they fall to unthriftiness, some after one fashion and some after another. They have a thousand ways to destruction, and all confederate themselves against God as much as is possible. Therefore, for because there have always been many, yea, and too many, that bring their own consciences asleep, St. Paul in this place, like as also in the fifth to the Romans, setteth down the true peace, which is, that when we come unto God we must present ourselves before his majesty, we be sure that he will pity us, and not lay our sins to our charge, but receive us as his own children. Then if we intend to enjoy this spiritual peace which passeth all the goods of the world, let us learn to have war with ourselves. And how is that? It is first to know that we be damned and forlorn, and that there is no hope of remedy for us, whereby to get out of the pit of destruction again, except we be recovered by means of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we be so bereft of all untoward self-trust in our own deserts, and know that we be empty and stark naked, let us repair as poor beggars unto God. That is the thing that is requisite for the attainment of true peace. And, by the way, also, let us not think to gain anything by being blockish, so we should fall asleep in this world, but let us understand that forasmuch as we have no certain time appointed us, it is our duty to summon ourselves evening and morning before God, and to examine our sins thoroughly, and to be both sorry and ashamed of them. When we have once learned to make war thus against our own vices, and to ply it thoroughly without hypocrisy and counterfeiting, then are we in the highway to the peace which our Lord Jesus Christ doth publish and preach unto us every day by the gospel. And that is the very cause why St. Paul saith expressly that by him we have entrance in unto the Father. As if he should say that no unbelievers, no heathenish worldlings, no mockers of God, no dullards, which think not of their everlasting salvation, can by any means taste of what value the peace is which we obtain by the gospel, or conceive how precious and amiable it is. And why? For they put too many scarfs before their faces, to keep them from being abashed at God's justice, and from being stricken with terror of their sins. To be short, they make themselves willfully drunken, that they might have a senseless conscience, and they bereave themselves of all understanding as though they were brute beasts. But when we consider that all our welfare consisteth in being able to have all our recourse unto God, and that our coming to Him is certain also, yea, and that the way is open for us to go thither familiarly, Surely then will we forget all other things, and long to be made partakers of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to be united into his body, to the end that God may receive us, and we call upon him with full trust in our necessity, and settle ourselves upon the love that he beareth us, not doubting, but that whatsoever is offered us in the gospel is all one as if God uttered his heart among us. Now St. Paul, having spoken of the preaching of the gospel, addeth purposely in one spirit, he had said afore that we be all knit together in the flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ, namely, for that he took our nature upon him, and by that means abolished and took away the cursedness that was in Adam. 
Nevertheless, the doing thereof in the person of the Son of God were not enough if the gospel were not as a means to him. Now therefore, for a third point, St. Paul addeth that we must communicate all of one spirit. For although the gospel be preached, yet are there many stubborn persons and others so besnarled in this world that they think no more of the heavenly life than dogs and swine do. Other some again are so saped in their hypocrisy that although God do call us all and allure us sweetly to him in the person of his Son, the number of them that come unto God is very small. For this cause St. Paul saith that we must have God's Spirit. For it is certain that by nature we be variable, and not only every one of us will needs have his opinion by himself, but also we change every minute of an hour, by means whereof we be so far off from being all of one accord, that none of us abideth settled in his opinion from morning to night, except he be governed of God. It standeth us then on hand, when we hear the gospel preached, to have God's Spirit to guide and govern us, so as we may thoroughly embrace our Lord Jesus Christ, and by him have access to the Father. Now, therefore, we must bear in mind, first, that when our Lord Jesus Christ exhorteth us by his ministers, according also, as St. Paul saith in the second to the Corinthians, we ought to be well disposed to come unto him, yea, and to run unto him, even with enforcing ourselves above all power of man. For, when we have done what we can, yet shall we have none access unto him, but all our endeavour shall rather be a retiring back than a going forward, unless his spirit guide us. So much the more then doth it stand us on hand to pray God to touch us with his Holy Spirit, and to cause him to make us way unto him, as it is said in the eighth to the Romans, and as we have seen also likewise to the Galatians. For there St. Paul putteth a difference betwixt God's children and the reprobates. We, saith he, have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We should not know him of ourselves, saith he, because there is nothing in us but infirmity, and it were too great a rashness in us to call God our Father. But when God hath once sealed the truth of his gospel in us by his Holy Spirit, and enlightened us inwardly, so as we know it is he that speaketh, and thereto hath assured us of his goodness and mercy, then may we freely and with open mouth cry out that he is our Father. And so ye see in effect what we have to bear in mind, to the intent that none of us trust to his own brain when the gospel is preached unto him, but that in consideration of the rudeness and weakness that is in us, we suffer ourselves to be governed by God's Spirit, which is the chief key whereby the gate of paradise is opened unto us. And for that cause also is it said that we must be besprinkled with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, as St. Peter termeth it in his first epistle. For the same cause also the Apostle in the Epistle to the Hebrews saith that Jesus Christ was offered up in spirit, meaning that his sacrifice, whereby he purchased us righteousness, should still be as a vain thing to us if the Holy Ghost wrought not in it by his power. And St. Paul, going forward with the matter that hath been declared heretofore, addeth also that, as well they that were far off as they that were near hand, had heard the said message, and that the same is set afore us also at this day, to the end we might be confirmed in it more and more, and, as I have said already, by those that were near, he meaneth the Jews, who had some familiarity with God theretofore, because he had acquainted himself with them by giving them his law, telling them that he had received their lineage to be the protector thereof. Howbeit that was not to knit them thoroughly unto him till he had pardoned their sins, which was done by the means of Jesus Christ." For the law could yield them nothing but terror and anguish of mind, and curse them throughout, and sink them down to the bottom of hell, as St. Paul saith in the third to the Romans, especially in the third chapter of the second epistle to the Corinthians. 
Therefore it was requisite that the gospel should be added thereunto. Now it is certain that David and the other holy prophets, and likewise all the kings and the faithful that lived under the Old Testament, had not the gospel so manifestly as we have, but yet in very substance God declared unto them that he of his own free goodness received them to mercy for the Redeemer's sake in whom they trusted. If the law be separated from the gospel, it not only profiteth them not at all which rest upon it, but also serveth to beat them down and to thunder upon them and to show them how dreadful God's majesty is. It is in the gospel, then, that we have peace, and therefore it stood the Jews in hand to be made partakers of that doctrine. And as for us that come of the Gentiles, we ought, as I said this morning, to acknowledge so much the better the double recognizance wherein we stand bound unto God, for that he hath vouchsafed to make us fellows with his peculiar people, us, I say, that were as things born out of time, and to put us in the company of those whom he had chosen and adopted afore, in such wise as the records of the prophets are now fulfilled, wherein it is said, Ye Gentiles and nations, glorify ye God with his own people." whereby the Holy Ghost foreshowed that there should be such a melody that all men should sing God's praises, even as well the Gentiles as the Jews, when they were once knit together and gathered from out of the scattering, wherein all of us are, as is said already, and as we have seen afore. We see then, whereat St. Paul aimed in saying that the gospel was preached to all men, as well them that were far off, as them that were near. And that is it which he treateth of in the tenth to the Romans, for there he showeth that we should ever be scanning and never resolved in our faith if we knew not that the preaching of the gospel proceeded of God's authority and of his unchangeable ordinance. It is not for men, saith he, to put forth themselves except God send them. And God hath begun to teach the world at all times heretofore, though not by preaching or writing, yet by the only sight of the world itself. No marvel, therefore, saith he, though God have vouchsafed at this time to extend his grace to all nations, by making them know that he would be their father. Now then, like as on the one side, it stood the Jews on hand to know how great need they had to be reconciled to God by Jesus Christ, and not to be deceived by trusting to their birthright or to their circumcision, or to any of all these shadows of the law, but that it behoved them to flee to the only means that I have treated of, namely, that God receive them to mercy for the eternal sacrifice's sake which Jesus Christ offered. So let us on our side learn to magnify God's goodness, seeing he hath vouchsafed to cast us to be of his household and church, notwithstanding that we were cut off and banished from it afore. And therefore let us look to ourselves that we let not this benefit vanish away, nor be deprived of it through our own unthankfulness. For what excuse will there be for us, if when God calleth us to heaven in the person of his only Son, so as Jesus Christ telleth us, that it is he himself which cometh to seek us, as oft as it is told us that God will be merciful to us for his sake, we run not apace unto him, both hot in zeal and earnest in carefulness, to show how we know that all our welfare, joy, happiness, and glory consist in being joined to our God, which cannot be but through his free goodness. Again, when we refuse to receive this peace, let us be afraid that Jesus Christ will change his voice, for it is certain that the gospel doth always behight damnation to such as frame not themselves to God's will. And it is not for naught that the scripture speaketh of binding as well as of loosing, for our Lord Jesus Christ meant to show us that it is the very nature and duty of the gospel to pluck us out of the bondage and prison wherein we be held, until he hath set us free. And so it is his own office also, as he himself saith in the eighth of St. John, where he declareth the same thing, howbeit, he addeth, 
that there are bonds also prepared for those that take him not for their Redeemer, nor suffer themselves to be set free by him. And that is it which he meaneth in St. John, when he saith, Whose sins soever ye release, they be released unto them, and whose soever ye withhold, they be withheld. Then doth he show that when we preach the gospel, we must first of all declare the message of reconciliation, which thing is spoken of in the first to the Corinthians in the place by me before alleged. Thus ye see that the thing which we have to do continually is to show that God hath been kind unto us, as to be at one with us in the person of his Son, yea, and to receive us to be himself, that we might be washed and scoured from all our filthiness and be accepted for righteous before him. Lo, how wretched souls are unbound! Lo, how poor captives are let out of prison! Lo, how they that erst were plunged in darkness of death are brought out again to the light of life! But on the other side we have also commission to withhold sins by threatening the despisers of God's word with God's horrible wrath, and by telling them that when they have shaken their ears and think themselves to be escaped, the doctrine that they have heard must be as ropes and fetters to bind them withal. According whereunto St. Paul saith expressly in another place that we have vengeance ready for all such as set themselves against our doctrine. Yea, though they be the highest in the world, yet if they set up their bristles against God and despise him, they shall not escape the damnation that is threatened them, at leastwise when the faithful have once performed their obedience. And indeed, when an enemy summoneth a people, there is trembling for fear, lest they shall find no mercy, if reasonable conditions should be refused. And what then shall be done when God cometh, not only to will us to yield ourselves unto him, but also to offer himself to us, and will have us to possess him and all his goods in the person of Jesus Christ? What shall become of us if we refuse such grace, when he useth such kindness towards us? Must not horrible damnation light upon so villainous pride and scornfulness, when men vouchsafe not to receive him, even him which not only procureth their salvation, but also created them, and by whom they be maintained? Then let us learn to mark well this doctrine wherein peace is spoken of. To the end we provoke not God any more, nor turn our bread into bane, and our meat into mortal poison, but that we may be quickened truly by the grace which God offereth us daily. And for that cause St. Paul concludeth, that they which are so touched with God's Spirit to obey the gospel simply and substantially are no more strangers but rather fellow citizens with the saints and God's household folk. And this tendeth still to the end that I have noted afore, that is to wit that God's name should be glorified as it deserveth, and that we should not step lightly to him as we be wont to do. For we think to discharge ourselves with one word by saying that Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. But let us always call to remembrance what we have been and in what taking we were till Jesus Christ drew us out of the dungeons of death. For the word strangers importeth that which we have seen heretofore, namely that before the gospel was preached, the Gentiles were without hope of salvation, cut off from God's favour, without promises, without God in the world, insomuch that although they lived here, although they were fed and sustained by the good things that God gave them, although they enjoyed the light of the sun, yet nevertheless they were without God. And at the same point are all unbelievers. So then, St. Paul's rehearsing what our redemption was when Jesus Christ came to find us and reached us his hand to guide us to God his Father, is to the end that we should learn to yield him the whole praise of our salvation. Hereupon he saith that we be citizens of heaven, companions with the angels of paradise, and fellows with the holy kings and prophets. When there is any talk of the prophets and apostles, or of any of the saints and martyrs, we have them in admiration, and good reason we should so. But in the meanwhile, 
we regard not wherefore the Holy Ghost setteth them before us. The papists make idols of them, and, to their seeming, they have honoured St. Paul and St. Peter well when they have decked them with God's feathers. But contrarywise, it is said here that when God setteth forth the grace that he gave unto them, it is to the end that we should bethink us of the benefit that he bestoweth upon us, in that he mustereth us in their band. According whereunto, the apostle in the twelfth to the Hebrews saith, that they might be unto us as a great and thick cloud of witnesses, that we might follow their example the more cheerfully, and walk on in the way that they show us. Again, when God hath made us to perceive the inestimable good which he doth us, in matching us with the prophets, apostles, martyrs, and all the faithful, let us go yet further, and consider that he hath made us fellow-citizens with the angels of heaven. A man would take great labour for a citizenship, free denizenship or burgership of this world, and yet, notwithstanding, they be but incomes of this life. And what is this life of ours? A flightful shadow which fleeteth away out of hand. Behold, God calleth us not only to sojourn in his church as strangers, but also to assure us that he admitteth and accepteth us for his children, so as we may with true trust, and as it were with one mouth, boldly call upon him as our Father, and keep one tune and melody with all the saints. That, therefore, is the thing which we have to remember upon this strain, which order the apostle useth also in the end of the epistle to the Hebrews, saying that we be no more under the law, which could do nothing but fray us, because there was nothing to be heard there but thunderings and lightnings, which were terrible signs of God's anger. But we, saith he, are come to Mount Zion, where we hear the sweet voice of God our Father, who matcheth us with his holy spirits." with his angels and with the souls of his faithful ones, so as we be now of their crew, and may speak unto God, as it were, all with one mouth, because we have one common head. This is in effect the thing that we must bear in mind. And although we enjoy it not as yet, yet notwithstanding we be sure that, by the means of faith, we may walk through this present life as strangers to the world, and that God will not fail to avow us for his children and heirs, and that although we be yet wrapped here in many vices and imperfections, yet notwithstanding all the saints of paradise do acknowledge us for their brethren, and embrace us for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Now let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us so to feel them, as we may mislike them more and more, and on the other side set our whole mind to the considering of the infinite grace which he extendeth towards us in calling us unto him, to the intent we may not be so spiteful, nor yet so witless and blind, as not to hearken when he speaketh, but rather that we may obediently through faith yield unto the doctrine which he setteth forth unto us, wherein lieth all our welfare and salvation, and that the same may pluck us back from all the lewd lusts of the world, and from all the froward affections that thrust us aside, and turn us away from him, so as we may grow more and more in his fear and love, to be fashioned like his image, until we be come to his heavenly glory, whereunto he calleth us, that it may please him to grant this grace not only to us, but also to all people, etc. End of Sermon 14